Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. High wind and big waves. The combination of factors, including a king tide, causing damage along the waterfront. Back to class. Our education system is ready and able to adapt to keep our kids safe and in school. What to expect when students go back on Monday with Omicron spreading rapidly. And remembering the magic of Sidney Poitier. Mom, this is John. The time Vancouver co-starred with the legendary actor. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. This stunning image shows the damage along the seawall in Stanley Park. A king tide driven further ashore by high winds, smashing the asphalt right up to the cliff. Dozens of pieces, big and small, are left on shore. The rest washed out onto the beach and into Burrard Inlet. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Sophie's off tonight. That is just one example of the high winds and king tide creating dangerous conditions anywhere near or on the water today. Our Paul Johnson is live at Sunset Beach now with more on the fallout. Paul. Chris, about mid-morning, if you had a view of English Bay, you would have seen some of the roughest sea conditions that we really ever get around here. Still quite high tide is going to be in about three oh, hours, but that's heat. supposed to be about a meter and a half lower than what we saw. As the year's first big windstorm coincided with a king tide that sent waves topping seawalls and embankments, smashed logs and debris into piers and shorelines, and flooded many low-lying areas that are normally well above the high tide mark. Where else can you see waves like these? I mean, we're hitting 10 feet out here. Nothing like this is predicted. I mean, you can't walk the sea ball. It's all underwater. Stanley Park's seawall was closed to pedestrians because of safety. It's reopening unknown as a damage assessment will likely have to be done. In West Van, some cars parked near the ocean ended up in a couple of feet of water. So you can add all that into the damage town. And I'm from the East Coast, so this is like reminding me of the Atlantic Ocean a little bit. For those who braved the gusts Friday, it was a thrilling shift from our previous snowy weather pattern. Let's face it, the pandemic's pretty dull, but this brings a little bit of excitement to it all. Back at Barge Chilling Beach, workers were replacing damage to the sign. Probably a good idea, as the barge seems to be going nowhere. Any hope that a king tide might dislodge it didn't materialize. And some thought the storm may have even embedded it more deeply into Sunset Beach. It's pretty lodged in there, I it guess. It might be permanent. It might be permanent. Yeah. Not a bad thing. So, Chris, as I was saying there, next high tide is expected to happen in about three hours. This one, though, should be about a meter and a half lower than that big one that we saw today. 
Of course, the big question at this point, though, is what's the price tag going to be for all of the damage throughout the region? The answer to that is we simply don't know. Is Mostly, it's been too dangerous for people to go down there and get eyes on it. We'll have to wait and get that figure in the coming days. Chris? Going to be significant, no doubt. Paul, thanks very much. No doubt. All right, the Fraser Valley, which can't seem to catch a break from Mother Nature, once again one of the hardest hit areas from this latest storm. The freezing rain that followed heavy snowfall caused widespread power outages and made things much more dangerous on the ground and from above. Imadagahi reports. Dangerous because of situations like this. To begin Friday morning, just about everything in parts of the eastern Fraser Valley was covered in a pretty thick layer of ice. And as that ice started to melt and combine with some windy conditions, bits and pieces of it were crashing down to the ground unexpectedly. From freezing rain to raining ice. As they were arcing. And yes, don't stand underneath those things, it'll kill you. All the ice falling off, falling off on your car. It's very, very scary because you cannot be outside when this happens. Friday morning, the freezing rain reported in parts of Mission, Abbotsford, and Chilliwack had wrapped itself around power lines, street signs, and trees. It had created exoskeletons around cars. Just in case there's an emergency, one of us needs to be able to move. I've never seen it this bad. Never, ever seen it this bad. Dozens of broken trees were blamed for power outages in Chilliwack, where some main street lights were out. The mayor, one of many with no lights or heat on at his house. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hell of a day, I tell you. Certainly wasn't hoping 22 was going to start like this, but uh, you know, Chilliwack is pretty resilient. We've been through floods and heat domes and and anything else. Uh, so we have crews working. Uh, around the clock to restore power as quickly as possible. Now, going into the evening hours, there were still roughly 10,000 customers without power in the Chilliwack and Kent areas. Meanwhile, the city said that just about every truck they had available was out sanding and plowing streets to make sure that they were drivable today. And Matagahi, Global News in Chilliwack. All right, we'll bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon uh, now. You saw some of the flurries around Ahmad there in his stand-up at the end of the package, and there is more snow yet in the forecast, Christy. And we just can't seem to get a break. Uh, the one good news is that the wind warnings now have ended. We're expecting it to be much more calm that way as we head through the overnight period. But now, yes, we're talking about snowfall. So in through the Fraser Valley, still some flurries expected as we head through the evening hours. But for Metro Vancouver, it's more like tomorrow morning that we'll see it. So we're not talking about a lot. Two to five centimeters for Metro Vancouver, as you can see, far more out towards Hope and certainly along the Sea to Sky Highway. When I come back, we're going to hone in on the timeline of this snowfall and as well we have still a risk of freezing rain in a few areas i'll show you which when i come back all right we'll check in in a bit thanks very much christy now some breaking details involving a shooting in langley it happened in broad daylight in a busy area and when it was all over the victim lay dead in the street ramina dea is live near the scene right now and ramina what have we learned about how this all unfolded 
Chris, it's remarkable that an innocent bystander was not hurt given the number of shots fired, according to witnesses, and how busy this area is. The victim is still here, his body underneath the black tarp over there, the forensics tarp. Um, investigators continue to take photographs and gather evidence. Now, this man was gunned down at the entrance to the West Park Centre strip mall just before 2 p.m. That's at 202 Street and 88th Avenue. Now, multiple witnesses tell us that they heard a loud crash. They saw a man running around the corner. There were multiple shots. We're hearing over half a dozen from from many witnesses. They told us that they were ducking for cover. And then moments later, they saw a vehicle speeding away from the scene. The victim lying on the ground, blood everywhere. This is a community where we have so many children and families and um, it's, this is just not something that happens here every day. And it's, it's very scary, very scary. It's not something that you want to see in your community, right? It's, um, you feel safe walking around here, at least I do. Um, but it does make you really think about, you know, you could be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's a good area, it's a quiet area, but I think this can happen anywhere. Chris, the integrated homicide investigation team is on scene. Not a lot of details at this point from homicide investigators. They will only say that this shooting appears to be targeted. Back to you. All right, Romina, thanks very much. Romina Dea reporting in Langley. Now to the COVID situation. And despite the ongoing explosion of COVID infections, BC students will be returning to in-person learning on Monday. But as Richard Zussman reports, the return to classrooms is supposed to include enhanced safety measures and a string of new procedures when it comes to outbreak and exposure notification, along with the gradual introduction of rapid testing. With Omicron all around us, it is a return to school unlike any other. We know that uh, there's a lot of anxiety. On Monday, it will be full in-person return from K-12. Everyone who walks into one of these buildings will be required to do a COVID health check. If you have a fever, chills, a cough, loss of smell or taste, or a hard time breathing, positive test or no, stay home. <coughs> Beyond that, if a child has mild symptoms like a runny nose, the decision is in the hands of parents. You know, parents know kids, um, and if in doubt, keep them home for a day. If, if it's getting better and resolving, then you can go back into school. Kids can also return to school post-COVID as soon as symptoms are gone. And what about kids who are close contact, but without symptoms, with someone who does have COVID? Yes, we are still allowing uh, children to go to school uh, in those settings and to, be, to monitor very carefully. So we are concerned. Um, about the spread of, uh, of Omicron through our schools, um, including, you know, close contacts. Omicron's rapid spread has the province dropping exposure notices, replaced by an attendance check. On a typical day, about 90% of kids are present at school. If that drops by 10% to 80%, then the school community will be notified. That will trigger a response from public health, which may include investigation. It might include the use of rapid tests to get a better understanding of, of what's happening on the ground. The province getting parents ready, school closures could also happen at a moment's notice. In a big district like Surrey, if a school has 40 staff and a quarter are missing, it will trigger a closure. 
But for other areas, the 25% illness threshold could be different. We have a lot of different sizes and varieties and shapes of schools. And so it's different uh, in a school of, uh, of 300 students versus a school of uh, 18 or 1900 students. The province also providing rapid tests for symptomatic kids to use, but they won't be available to much later this month. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Another jump in our hospital numbers in the past 24 hours. We have 349 people now in hospital. That's up 25. 93 of those patients are in the ICU. We have more than 33,000 active cases at the moment and 3,144 new cases in the past 24 hours. Sadly, nine more people have lost their lives due to complications of the virus. Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, the growing hospital numbers obviously are a concern, but the ones we get, the way they're reported, don't always give, it doesn't always give us the full picture, right? No, they don't, and the picture's getting increasingly murkier. You notice that we led the presentation there with the hospital numbers, because the daily COVID case numbers are so high now and so consistent, they're really not telling the story. Hospitalizations and ICUs and deaths are the key metrics we want to look at going forward. Take a look at this table I prepared, just the last three days. The, the column on the left represents how many people actually went to hospital and were admitted. 38 on Wednesday, 41 on Thursday, a whopping 77 reported today, the highest one-day number, I think, since the pandemic began. The middle column are those who were discharged or have been reclassified as no longer COVID-19 cases. And the one on the right is the number that comes out in the statement every day, which is lower significantly than the number of people actually going into hospital. Obviously, what's at play here? Omicron is infecting so many more people and putting people in hospital, but the number of people leaving hospital is higher than usual. It doesn't seem to be as severe an illness. Nevertheless, the hospitalization situation is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Dr. Bonnie Henry today indicating she and her fellow public health officers in Canada are looking at changing the way we report hospitalizations going forward. Here's Dr. Henry. We're in the process right now of trying to tease through what's the best measure for us to understand the impact of Omicron on, uh, on severity of illness and on hospitalizations. So we'll have more to say about that uh, in the coming week. And uh, I know I've been sharing this, this, these discussions with my colleagues in Ontario and Alberta because we're all trying to struggle with uh, some of those measures. The other key metric I've been reporting on for some time, Chris, is our positivity rate. That remains very high, about 25% province-wide, more than 30% over here on Vancouver Island, 32% as a matter of fact today. So the positivity rate remains high, which means case numbers will remain high and the hospitalizations will remain high as well. I remember being shocked when that positivity rate was 10%, Keith. We're way, way <laughs> yeah. past that now. Exactly. All right. Yeah, thanks very much. Well, the province uh, also announcing new measures today to keep the economy operating in the face of COVID. A number of businesses in B.C. have been forced to close their doors or reduce hours because of staffing shortages in recent weeks. As a result, Dr. Bonnie Henry says we need to reactivate safety protocols in the workplace to help us get through the month. She says they become more and more important as the Omicron variant spreads through the community. These safety plans are a measure to allow you to keep operating in the face of a significant portion of, of workers who may be unable to come in because they're, they're ill themselves now with COVID. It is important that every business take this step now, which is why today I'm putting an order in place requiring COVID safety plans for all businesses in British Columbia. Those plans include employees working from home whenever possible, 
practicing physical distancing and putting up plexiglass shields. The order does not apply to childcare, K-12 or post-secondary schools. Years after the fatal crash that killed their loved one, a B.C. family may never see justice. Why the driver who caused it is unlikely to ever be charged. Next on the News Hour. Rapid tests and when we might be able to get them in B.C. coming up later on the News Hour. And Joyride, the Comox bus driver who will stop at nothing to make other people happy. That's coming up later as well. Right now, though, it's been more than two years since a Vancouver taxi driver was killed in a terrible crash. The suspect suffered life-altering injuries, raising doubts about whether he would ever be able to understand or participate in a trial. Still, as Kristen Robinson reports, the family wants to know why justice is taking so long. I am living for justice. I am fighting for justice. More than two years after losing his son to an alleged impaired and dangerous driver, heartbreak has turned to anger and frustration for Bahadur Singh Randhawa. That is totally injustice for Sunipal Singh Randhawa. In late December 2019, 28-year-old Sunny Paul, who worked two jobs, was transporting two passengers safely in his yellow cab when Vancouver police believe a car to go ran a red light at 3.30 a.m., T-boning the taxi. Video obtained by Global News shows the car to go traveling in excess of 120 kilometers an hour just before the crash, possibly evading a counterattack roadblock. You've got the driver. You've got the evidence of the horrific crash. You've got video. It's so identity is not an issue. Irish media identified the critically injured car to go driver as Gary Hollihan. In March 2020, the VPD recommended six charges to Crown Council related to impaired and dangerous driving while confirming the suspect had returned to his home country. To date, no charges have been laid. The BC Prosecution Service says the charge assessment process is still underway. Here we are, a year and 10 months later, waiting for a decision. It creates issues with respect to the public respect for the administration of justice when justice is delayed for so long. If he is guilty, then press him. It, if he not guilty, then you release him. Police forwarded the file to Crown. They didn't expect charges would be approved at the time due to the suspect's medical condition. But criminal lawyer and former Crown counsel Ravi Hira says the onus is on the accused to prove they are not fit to stand trial. We, we want justice. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Up next, better living with psychedelic drugs. There's a long list of psychedelic treatments that are currently being investigated. How things like ecstasy and mushrooms could soon be used for health care. Also, Sidney Poitier shoots in British Columbia, the movie that showcased the outstanding qualities of both. Still slow for traffic at the Lionsgate Bridge, mainly from the north end to the Stanley Park Causeway. And don't forget, Stanley Park Drive is closed to traffic due to the winter storm. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. In Vancouver, a serious workplace accident 
at the National Works Yard is under investigation. Emergency Health Services says three paramedic units were called just after 2 o'clock this afternoon to an incident involving a loader at the yard. The facility helps maintain the city's transportation infrastructure, including road maintenance. But no patients were taken to hospital. The city of Vancouver and WorkSafe BC will only confirm they are both investigating the cause of the accident. Tonight, healthcare advocates are calling it a major breakthrough in treating serious or life-threatening conditions that impact mental health. As Erin MacArthur reports, Health Canada has given the green light for psychedelic drugs such as MDMA and magic mushrooms to be used for medical purposes. So that was amazing, but I never want to do it again. Lori Brooks was one of a handful of Canadians who have had access to psychedelic therapy. Using psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, to help her through her terminal cancer diagnosis. Despite any misgivings, it worked. It allowed me to not worry about what is coming tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. Now, Health Canada has expanded the treatment option to more Canadians. Doctors can now apply for special access to psychedelics to treat a host of conditions on a case-by-case -case basis. Companies that manufacture the medication say this is a huge step in the right direction. It's a very, very strict application. It has to come from a physician and or a therapist, and it has to tick many boxes. Um, you have to be severe or in a life-threatening situation. You have to have tried everything else. Generally, special access permits are only approved for use once a treatment is far enough down the road of its clinical trial. Arguably, the option farthest along is using MDMA to treat post-traumatic stress disorder. My partner, who's a psychiatrist, um, has looked me in the eye and says psychedelics are going to transform her profession as a psychiatrist. And there's real progress being made with psilocybin as well, on everything from anxiety to depression to cluster headaches. Advocates say while Health Canada has opened the door, there are still many questions about who the drug can be prescribed to and when they'll qualify. They need to be very clear on what indications would allow access. Right? That shouldn't be something that a bureaucrat or a piece of paper should decide. It should be doctors deciding. Under the new rules, which went into effect January 5th, Health Canada will now have 48 hours to respond to a request from a physician to use psychedelic therapy. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Up next, an actor who refused to turn the other cheek. The fearless Sidney Poitier and memories of the movie he shot right here in our own backyard. And how soon you could get access to a better supply of rapid COVID tests. BC's COVID-19 Town Hall. Your questions answered by Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. Email questions at globalnews.ca and tune in Monday on BC One, CKNW or stream online. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. 
A little busy at the Portman Bridge tonight due to some ongoing winter maintenance. Crews are on scene and the HOV lane is blocked in both directions. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Tributes are pouring in tonight for Hollywood legend Sir Sidney Poitier. The actor and director died Thursday at the age of 94. He was a commanding talent and groundbreaking actor, paving the way for generations of black actors respected around the world for helping to advance racial dialogue. Here's a look back at his incredible 71-year career. Dr. Wharton, what would you have done? It wasn't so much a career in a changing Hollywood as a career that changed Hollywood. Where is it? When Sidney Poitier started acting, there were no leading roles for African-American men. By the time he retired, there were no limits. I came here at a time when this Hollywood that you know was not the Hollywood here when I arrived. My father was a tomato farmer. Sidney Poitier was born in 1927 in Florida, but raised in the Bahamas. When he moved back to the U.S. at the age of 15, he'd had only one year of schooling. He could barely read. He was a dishwasher in New York City with $3 to his name when he was looking for a better dishwashing job in the Wanads. On the opposite page was an ad for an African-American theater. It said actors wanted. Hey, I figured I've tried one. Might as well give the other a go. From the stage, he moved to the screen. Is it true? His first Oscar nomination was in 1958 for The Defiant Ones. His Oscar win was five years later for Lilies of the Field. Why'd you go and do that? They call me Mr. Tibbs. He would go on to reshape how African Americans were seen on screen. He wasn't a character who accepted being slapped. He slapped back. Poitier was selective in his roles. In the heat of the night, he was a detective. To Sir With Love, a teacher. Mom. In Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. This is John. A doctor. They're just as I thought. With each role, there was a grace and dignity. That includes when his civil rights work off screen overshadowed his work on it. I am an awful lot of things, so I wish you would uh, pay me the respect do. Sidney Poitier would work well into his 70s. He was knighted, awarded a lifetime honor by the Motion Picture Academy and a Medal of Freedom by President Obama. He was also beloved in his industry. I never met another person who affected, protected an entire race. I bow before your spirit. Sir Sidney Poitier was 94. Yes, there he is, on the, on the left-hand ferry. Go, go. Chances are you recognize that scene at Sydney Poitier running over the hood of a Vancouver police car. He returned to the big screen in 1988 after a 12-year absence to star in Shoot to Kill, set right here in Vancouver and at the ferry terminal, as you can tell, in Tawasson. It's one of the few major films where Vancouver has played itself in a major movie. Start alongside Tom Berenger there as well. Look it up if you can find it. In Health Matters tonight, a good part of today's COVID briefing was devoted to an issue the government has been taking some heat for, the lack of access to rapid COVID tests for households. 
Officials say more tests have been ordered, and as John Wash shows us, it might become easier for you to get your hands on them. With the rampant spread of Omicron, it's simple supply and demand. With more British Columbians experiencing possible COVID symptoms, many are looking for the added confirmation that comes with a take-home rapid test. So the tests that we have have been moving out. They are all accounted for. The belief BC is stockpiling more than a million tests was addressed in Friday's health briefing with a clearer breakdown of where those kits are going. Long-term care, provincial corrections, rural, remote and Indigenous communities, case contact and cluster management, and businesses and organizations through the point-of-care screening program. Of the just over 1.1 million rapid tests currently in the province's possession, the health minister says more than half aren't the kind you can take home. They require special equipment, administration by healthcare professionals, and cannot be broken down or repackaged for self-administration. That leaves about 577,000 tests slated for those five key areas, with symptomatic healthcare workers and COVID testing sites added to the list. As more supply arrives in the upcoming weeks, symptomatic school staff K-12 are next in line and maybe students in the months to come. To be able to support families to do the tests at home on symptomatic members of the family, of the children, uh, to determine whether they should be going to school or not. That's if the federal government delivers on its promise to B.C. of roughly 18 million more rapid tests. It is important to remember that the announcement by the federal government that tens of millions of rapid tests have been secured does not mean they have been arrived, been delivered, or are ready for use in BC. Dr. Henry leaving the door open for wider accessibility for all British Columbians. As we go into the next few months, we'll be able to expand it uh, for symptomatic people and for people to be able to do that type of testing um, at home. Still, the advice is with rapid antigen tests sometimes delivering false negatives. Anyone who suspects they have COVID symptoms should just stay at home. John Hua, Global News. An Okanagan gym owner is remaining defiant despite being issued a fine and closure notice by Interior Health. Brian Mark of Iron Energy Fitness in West Kelowna vows not only to keep his doors open, but to refuse to pay the $2,300 fine issued for non-compliance of a provincial health order. Interior Health, along with the RCMP, visited his gym on Thursday and put up a closure notice which he promptly took down. The spread of the Omicron variant prompted the province to order fitness facilities to close until at least January 18th. All of the gym owners that want to open their doors, but they're afraid because Interior Health is threatening to take away their license. They're threatening to shut them down. They're threatening to take away their livelihoods. But I'm willing to take the punch in the face knowing that this might be the thing that wakes up Canada. Gym goers say workouts help with their physical and mental health. They say it's a double standard that casinos and laser tag operations, for example, can stay open while fitness facilities cannot. Coming up, the route to happiness. Just uh, brought spontaneous laughter. The bus driver bringing joy to everyone he meets. And in sports, game off. The story behind another postponement for the Vancouver Canucks. At this point, there's probably nothing else Mother Nature can throw at us that we can't handle. Here's Christy with the latest uh, on the forecast and more winter weather, Christy. 
That's right. I mean, we really can't catch much of a break. And we, we've seen everything. Ice, wind, snow, rain. Oh, my goodness. So um, I just want to show you the areas that still have a slight risk of freezing rain. So we're not totally out of the woods just yet, mainly out through the Fraser Valley that we're concerned about. There's a few flurries there, and we still have the potential of a little bit of freezing rain. So just a heads up on that. But for the most part, what we're talking about is snowfall. So the main event will shift into the northern regions for the most part, but it just clips the south coast. So for our region, here's the timeline. Uh, out through the Fraser Valley, still flurries expected this evening overnight. We may see some flurries across the Vancouver Island region, but you can see through the morning hours, the system moves in from the west. So for Metro Vancouver, we'll see it develop through the morning hours. We could even see that snow until the early afternoon. Uh, areas like Victoria, as you can see here, though, will likely just see rain. It'll be milder in through that region, but parts of Vancouver Island certainly could see snowfall. And then in the afternoon, we're going to see a transition to rain as we warm up to about three degrees. So uh, that snow is certainly not going to last long. Significant snow, though, expected across northern regions. So north coast inland regions, particularly are the regions we'll be watching. So 15 to 30 centimeters is possible there. And extreme cold continues in through the far north. Whitehorse, for example, a high of minus 38 tomorrow. Extremely cold. So cold and dry overnight for our region, Chris, but we'll see that uh, snowfall push in through the morning hours, transitioning to rain late in the morning, sorry, late in the afternoon. Sunday's the day, though, we'll finally catch a bit of a break. And I think on Sunday, you'll finally see the ice melt in through the Fraser Valley region, but it'll be icy right through the day tomorrow. Tonight's central windows weather window comes to you from West Vancouver. Ken, Kevin sending us this. Just a stunning shot with the sunshine there, but uh, as you can see, complete devastation along the seawalls, not only in West Vancouver, but in other parts of the lower mainland too. Yeah, a lot of damage along uh, Stanley Park as well. Thanks very much for that, Christy. And thoughts go out to those folks in Whitehorse. Whew, facing a lot of this, I'm sure. group of uh, Good Samaritans put their shovels, musical talents, and a borrowed BC transit bus to work Thursday morning. Inspiration struck when a bus driver saw everyone struggling to clear that heavy, wet snow that fell in the Comox Valley. Kylie Stanton has the story. Okay to travel? Thank you. J.D. Ludlow may drive this bus for a living, but what is it that drives him? Good question. I wake up every day thinking how I can help others. That's what motivates me. And so when he saw the forecast for heavy snow, the wheels started turning. So I thought, you know what? I'm driving a bus. I can drive other shovelers around the valley to help out. Ludlow, also known as Flower Man, got the word out on social media while securing an out-of-service bus through BC Transit. The extra bus was available and, and JD and his team got out there and, and really helped out in the community, which is it's what he does. Musicians to politicians and everyone in between got on board. Hey, hey, hey. Then got to work. Woo. When you show up at a person's driveway in a city bus, to uh, you know, clear the driveway and the doors open. You got a musician playing the music. Well, this is right off the wall as far as community service goes. Thanks, everyone. Win-win, you know, for everybody involved. Really, we couldn't believe it. It was like a miracle. It was a huge relief, and boy, talk about generous. I'm so glad we found you. Well, I'm glad. I'm 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 more glad that you found me. Wow. <laughs> believe me. It's proof a little goes a long way, stretching even further when times are tough. You know, we need to help our neighbours. Uh, we, you know, we've been talking about uh, keeping safe for the last few years, uh, but we, we also need to, to look out for each other in other ways too. Plans are already in motion to continue the work, 
But for now, the 22 centimeters of snow that blanketed the community is melting. Thank you very much. Along with the many hearts touched by this random act of kindness. I'm so grateful to, to help others, and that's what drives me every day. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Keep on rocking, flower man. <laughs> Shouldn't we all get up in the morning and think like him? How can I bring joy to other people? That's amazing stuff. All you right, know what, Squire. Chris? Yeah. You're bringing joy right now to other people. Well, I wish I had some joy for Canucks fans. Man, they must be feeling it now. Well, and the players, too. They're getting a little tired of this. But the uh, game with Ottawa tomorrow at home has been postponed, which surprised the Canucks coaches and players. Well, obviously, we're not happy with it. I mean, it is what it is. So now they practice this weekend and then head on a tough five-game road trip, which starts next Tuesday in Florida. All right, we'll check in later. Also tonight, satellite debris. Well, the Canucks have played their way into a position where every game matters, so it was tough to hear one got postponed today. Well, they, they're getting used to this, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, tomorrow night's game between the Canucks and Ottawa has been postponed because they would like a game where they could have more fans in than what they could have had. So that means the Canucks have won eight of their last ten that they've played and postponed seven of the last ten that were scheduled. So now they won't play until next Tuesday in Miami against Florida. That starts a very tough road trip. Five games, uh, Panthers, Lightning, Hurricanes, Capitals, and Nashville. This is the way it works for the Canucks now. They have to practice all week. They gather rust because they haven't played. And then the NHL throws you to the Wolves, or in this case, the Panthers. We're not happy with it. I mean, it is what it is, but uh, we want to play. I mean... Somehow, somewhere, they're all going to catch up to you. So, I mean, uh, uh, we'll just muddle through. Other teams are doing it, so we'll do it as well. It sucks, to be honest. Um, You know, (laughs) practice all week and then, you know, try to gear up for a game again. And then that one gets, you know, postponed. And now we have another, what, five days till our next one. Um, So it's, uh, you know, not ideal, but. I guess it's the way things are going right now. The Seahawks' final game of the season will be in Arizona, and they'll have to play it without veteran linebacker Bobby Wagner, who has a bad knee. Of course, this year the Seahawks' offseason is going to be extra intriguing. For example, will Wagner come back next season? And what about Russell Wilson? I know we've talked about this a lot. He hasn't said definitively if he wants to be back in Seattle next season, but he has hinted at it. You know, for me, uh, you know, I think what I'm really super passionate about, obviously, you know, my goal is to win more Super Bowls. And um, you know, my plan is to win them here. You know, it's, it's that simple. You know, I think that's uh, – and so that, that's – you know, there, there's nothing really else other, th- other than that. Well, actually, there's a little more than that. The uh, Canucks aren't playing at Rogers Arena this week, but the Vancouver Warriors are playing tonight at 7.30 against Colorado. And uh, this year the Warriors have gotten a bit younger. They've utilized the draft to bring in some – fresh players who can be the foundation of their future. Charlotte Beatty sticks it home for his first. It's a luxury the Warriors haven't really had the past few years. Two high first round draft picks in the lineup. 
Coquitlam's Reed Bowering, and Ontario's Adam Charlembides. Both have been impressive in their early days as Warriors. Reed Bowering, uh, he, he does something special every practice, every game. His lacrosse IQ is it's, it's unbelievable. He, he knows where to go. He hunts the, the play real well, and he's sound defensively. Uh, Adam, he, uh, he's a big body. He's quick. He's fast. He might be the fastest guy on our team, uh, two or three steps. Uh, we're lucky to have both of them. So the coach is on board, and the rookies, well, they are in sponge mode. Soak it all in and just keep improving. I've really just learned so much in just three games in the few months that I've been playing with these guys. So many tips from the coaches, the you know the leaders on this team that have really helped me out, and I think I've already become a better player just in this short time. Bowering coming in right on goal. Bowering score! Bowering and Charlembides are teammates now, but they've known each other for years. In the 2016 Minto Cup National Junior Championship, Bowering's Coquitlam Adanax defeated Charlembides' Orangeville team to win the title. I think I brought it up first before he did, but uh, he's a friendly guy, so, you know, he's always uh, saying something probably nice before I chirp, honestly. <laughs> now they're on the same side, and they're also working side-by-side -side in the Warriors' office during the day. Bowering in social media, Charlembides in ticketing, both trying to bring their talents to the business side of lacrosse. It's mostly just creating videos, content, behind-the-scenes stuff for you know, of our team that people who normally wouldn't see, you know, what we do, uh, you know, in the locker room or on the floor after practice. Doing my best to put some butts in some seats for our team here and, you know, just trying to put in some good, honest work day to day. Well, this is something we've showed you, well, maybe 68 times before. Michael Kingsbury of Canada winning gold in Moguls, the 69th of his career. They'll race again tomorrow. This is in Quebec, his home uh, province. No fans because of COVID restrictions. Fourth World Cup win of the season for him. There you go. Good for him. Thanks very much, Squire. We're back with Satellite Debris next. All right, Squire's ready to go with Satellite Debris. Yes, and we'll start with uh, something from Heineken. Um, promoting their non-alcoholic beer. Proudly. And good tune choice as sure well. Is. Old uh, Stevie Wonder song. Okay, this is also a fun old song. It's something from last year from Geico. 
Shit. Did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aw, uh, fresh vanilla, rocky road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. <laughs> Why did the daughter right leave? That was, uh, that was classic hip-hop. Okay, good. so this was also from last year. Um, GM with Will taking a little fun run at Norway. I'd like to order four, no, uh, make that five million pizzas? Yes, with anchovies and deliver it to the entire country of Norway. Olaf has a coupon. Did you know that Norway sells way more electric cars per capita than the U.S.? Norway. <laughs> well, I won't stand for it. Come on. Never mind. With GM's new Ultium battery, we're gonna crush those losers. Crush them! Let's go, America. Keenan, Norway's out EVing us. Wait, what's this? Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. She's really in Paris lately. I don't lately. care. Grab an EV, meet me in Norway. Okay, can I say goodbye to my family? Nope. All right. Ah! <clears throat> Aquafina, sorry to disturb you, but Norway's beating us at EVs. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh. <clears throat> uh-huh. Meet me there in an hour. Can I ride with you? No! GM's Ultium battery is made for all types of vehicles, so soon everyone can drive an EV. Oh! Why didn't we all just go together? No, and Will is probably flying private. Hey, Norway, listen up, you fish-loving! Oh, this place is adorable. Damn it! Where are you guys? We're in Finland, where are you? I'm in Norway! Norway? You're in Sweden! Damn it! And it should be mentioned, after that commercial came out last February, Norway hit back with a few commercials of their own. <laughs> Pay attention in geography class, people. And in meteorology class. <laughs> What's the latest before we go in the weekend here, Christy? Uh, so if you're up really early, you may miss the snowfall. It will develop through the morning hours. We could see two to five centimeters through the morning hours before it changes to rain sometime in the afternoon. Still got my shovel ready to go. I'm sure you do too. Thanks everyone. Have a great weekend.